Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. How we doing? We doing all right? Hey man, you guys look great. You sound great today. We're glad you're here. My name's Jeremy, if I've never had the chance to meet you. And uh, I'm glad to be back. She referenced it a minute ago. Some of you didn't even know I was gone. You weren't here last week. That's okay. We forgive you. There's no guilt or condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I was in Russia last week. Uh, I was there with my dad and my brother, uh, and I was there with my niece. But most importantly for me, I was there with my two oldest sons, Cooper and Branson, and we were there uh, to train and resource the pastors of Russia, uh, and, and specifically there in the city of Moscow. And last Sunday, I've asked them to throw a couple of pictures up there. Last Sunday, I was at this church in the city of Oriel, which is about 350 kilometers southwest of Moscow. Wonderful church, wonderful worship, just the presence of the Lord there. And we were about seven hours ahead of you. So when, when this service was happening, we were eating dinner. Uh, but uh, just so thankful for that opportunity. Uh, we also then traveled back to Moscow and we trained and resourced pastors there. A uh, city of 16 million people. That's me on the left. That's my my bald spot, not that guy right there. Um, so we've got pastors there in Moscow that we were training and, and resourcing over Monday and Tuesday this past week uh, and just trying to help equip them to better uh, reach the people in the city of Moscow. And then my favorite part of the trip uh, was having my two boys with me. We are there, uh, there in the Red Square and uh, just there in front of the cathedral and just had an incredible time. We ate Russian food. We sight saw, if that's the way you would say that, I don't know. We did some sightseeing. We ate. Uh, we, we, we toured some things. We bought some souvenirs. But just to see uh, their worldview expand was really the highlight of the trip for me, and I'm so thankful for that. But man, what an awesome job my wife Corey did last week here at Canton Church. Absolutely. I had so many of you text or post on my Facebook wall or tell me even this morning, hey, listen, just, you know, just, you can leave. It's fine. She's got this. I tried not to take offense, but it's okay. I agree. Through the, the joys of technology, I was able to kind of stream into part of the service and FaceTime into part of the service last week and just hear this incredibly powerful declaration that she made that here at Canton Church, we fight for families. And, uh, and so for her to be able to share that, that, she embodies that as much as anybody at our church, and I'm thankful for that message. It was a part of this series that we've been in called The Corn. Two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, I guess now, we started this by looking at the idea that we exist because generations matter. And for us, that's, the, that's really the vision, the mission that drives us. And, and the Bible tells us that without vision, the people perish. And so for us, that's kind of the direction we're going. That's why we exist. It's what motivates us. It's our heart, the center of who we are. And then the next week, we talked about these core values that really embody that. Because generations matter, we said that we make Jesus known. And unapologetically, we are about Jesus and lifting him up. You don't come to this church to hear me or to hear a band or to even see one another. It's about lifting high the name of Jesus. And we believe that everything that you have need of in your life can be found through a personal relationship with Jesus. And then last week, Corey did share about this idea that we fight for families. And so today, I'm so excited. I've got Pastor Matt Popham here uh, and Pastor Casey Kamitz. They are here to help me as we look at this next core value, uh, this idea that we equip the next generation. We equip the next generation. And they are two great guys to share in this topic because Pastor Matt uh, is our pastor for kids ministry and life group. So if you're in a life group, you may not know him because you may just know your life group leader and those in your group. Uh, about 80% or, or a little more of our church is a part of a life group. So we encourage you to jump into these smaller environments and do life 
life together. Uh, but Pastor Matt oversees that ministry, but he also oversees our ministry to children from birth to fifth grade. Uh, and so we've got a bunch of kids over there. You're going to hear more about that in a few minutes. Uh, and so we're thankful for him, his leadership over these areas of ministry and other projects that he's a part of. And then for him, his family. His wife was the really excited one on stage a few minutes ago. Uh, Mary Beth has as much energy as anybody in the kingdom of God. And so um, <laughs> we're thankful for that. But uh, just an incredible family. They're kids. We love them so much. And then Pastor Casey and his wife Haley, they lead our ministry for students. So that's sixth grade, really all the way up into college. And they also oversee our connections ministry, which is involving helping new people get connected into the life of our church. So that's really a part of Canton Life and other next steps. So if you haven't been a part of Canton Life, you would probably meet them on the first or third Sunday of the month at 10 o'clock so that you could jump into the lifeblood here. It's, it's, it's the opportunity for us to get to know you and for you to get to know a little bit about us. It's your best next step. So they lead those areas of ministry. So these two guys uh, are well-versed in what we're trying to do to reach and equip the next generation. So I'm thankful that they're a part of this. Now, when you hear me say the next generation, it's perhaps today that you would go, well, I don't have a kid. I don't have a student. My kids are grown. Uh, I, I'm not even married. I don't know how this would apply to me. But I think that you're going to find today that as you hear more about our heart, it really connects to your heart and what your heart should be about as well. And so for us, we want to just spend a few minutes talking about this idea of because generations matter, we equip the next generation. We said that that first week that generations matter is really found for us in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's the idea that faith is for you, your children, and your children's children. And if that's the case, it's meant to be passed on. It's meant to be handed off to the next generation. And some of you are living testimonies of that. You heard me even just a few minutes ago uh, as we were kind of leading into a prayer moment talk about the faith of my grandparents and my parents and others even in my family. But I'm also, I've been influenced by those who are not related to me. My wife talked about that a little bit last week. People she watched in, our, in her church as she was growing up that really helped to form the faith that she had and to inform the faith that she has even today. And so today, all of us play a vital role in helping to hand off faith to the next generation. But what we've discovered is that there seems to be a problem that one generation does not hand off their faith to the next. And that's what we want to talk about a little bit today. So if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Judges, the second chapter, and we will be reading beginning in verse 7. So, and while you're flipping there, uh, let me express that this section of Scripture has everything to do with the transferring of faith from one generation to the next. But I think even more than that, it is the, it's the culmination of the narrative of both generations that experienced the Exodus. So generation one was in bondage under Pharaoh, and Moses came in and through the power of God, miraculously freed his people. And from there, they journeyed into the desert and they got to the Red Sea where the Egyptians said, hey, we have let our labor force go. We've got to go get these guys back. So they pursued them. Well, God did another miracle. He opened the Red Sea and the children of Israel passed through on dry ground, the Bible tells us. Then they went to Mount Sinai to actually meet with God. Can you imagine? The manifest presence of God was there on the mountain. And Moses received the Ten Commandments and all the rest of the books of the law. And they were all on their way to cross over the Jordan River to repossess the land of Canaan, which God had given to Abraham hundreds of years prior. But when they passed over the Jordan and they sent spies into that land, they said, hey, there are giants out there. I don't know if we can do this. Well, the Bible says because of their unbelief, God made that unbelieving generation travel in circles in the wilderness for 40 years until they had passed away. 
So then the second generation, there were only two people that, uh, that remained from that first generation. That was Joshua and Caleb. And they led the second generation on a divinely uh, conscripted conquest of the land of Canaan, which is modern-day Israel, Jordan, yeah. and Syria. And there they engaged the regional city-states, which they practiced idolatry in you know, every bad form that you could think of in your mind. God said, eradicate these people. They're going to be a thorn in your side. And so we come to Judges chapter 2. They are at the end of their campaign. And this is where we're going to pick up the scripture. The Bible says, beginning in verse 7, so the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. That's the second generation who had seen all the great works that the Lord had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath-Herez in the mountains of Ephraim on the side of Mount Gash. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. So obviously we have lost something here. And the question is begged, how can this be? How can this, specifically the second generation who were children when they experienced the fire of God descending upon Mount Sinai. And they witnessed, they were a part of God's miraculous provision, the manna and the quail that he sent to everyone that was traveling around in circles in the wilderness. And then when they were the generation that crossed over the Jordan and defeated these mighty city-states that had armies that, that was vastly more powerful and larger than they could ever think. How could this generation that experienced God so powerfully drop the ball so devastatingly? Hmm. And the answer is simple. They experienced God for themselves. Yeah. But they forgot to communicate to their children that they have got to experience God for themselves hmm. yeah, in yeah. order to go forward in their faith. At Canton Church, we exist because generations matter. In everything that we've been talking about the last two weeks, we make Jesus known. We fight for families, culminate in we equip the next generation because we want to make sure that our children meet and experience the same Jesus that came into our hearts yeah. and changed our lives. You know, in my generation growing up in the church, there was a song and it kind of grew into a saying. It, it, it simply said, that because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Yeah. And many of us know that. And that's very well and true. But I had rather say there is hope for tomorrow because we are teaching our children to experience Jesus for themselves yeah, that's good. today. Yeah. For if we fail to do so, we will be doomed to experience Judges chapter 2 over and over again. Hmm, that's good. Based on what Pastor Matt was talking about, we see that the next generation is just riding on the coattails of their parents' faith. And we know that this isn't going to cut it. When they go off to college or when they start to raise their families, it's not going to help them any. They're going to be lost. The most foundational place to start our relationship with Jesus is the Word of God. That's right. 
But today, only 3% of teens in the church are reading their Bibles outside of Sunday morning. Hmm. That is an absolute epidemic. That means that there are thousands of students who are believing the lie that they can have a strong relationship with God only speaking to him on a Sunday morning. We know that 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 cannot happen. I know for, for some of you guys, this is a really long time ago, but studies are saying that 80% of people who are in church today decided to follow Jesus before the age of 18. Again, 18 was a really long time Be ago careful. for a lot of Be you careful. guys, all right? But, Be careful. But if we look at it, if we have our children right now, the ages of 5 through 18, they're deciding right now whether or not they are wanting to follow after Jesus. Yeah. It's not anymore. There's no other time that is as important as right now. But just like what Matt, Pastor Matt was saying, that faith is not getting passed down. Studies show that when faith is not talked about in the home or great importance is not put on faith, only 1% of children will stay religious going into their 20s. Wow. That's going into their college years. That's, that's terrifying. Why is this? Why is this a fact? Why is it so hard for us to talk about faith in our homes? I believe because it's because of the culture that we live in. We live in a culture where we get everything right now. We get satisfaction right now. Everything's at our fingertips. If we want food, we call Domino's and they bring it to our front door. If, if we run out of toilet paper, we get on Amazon and in two days we'll get uh, toilet paper to our front door, Amazon Prime. Or, or even if we want new clothes, we can get it sent to us and we can try it on and, and send it back. This tells me that we don't like waiting. We want to see the benefits right now. And if we're not careful as parents and as adults, we do the same thing with our children and with our students. We want to see them flourishing with God right now. We want to see the results and the, and the hard work and the seeds that we're planting. We want to see the, the fruits of that harvest immediately. But we've got to understand that this is going to take some time. We're not going to see the re- these results until a few years from now when our children are tucking their children in bed and reading them Bible stories, when they're sitting around the dinner table and talking about Jesus. Studies show that 82% of children raised in a home where faith was regularly discussed, 82% of those children attach great importance to their faith as young adults. We can see that there's a problem here. We can see that there's a problem with our teens taking ownership, with reading the word. We can see that it's um, a problem with faith being passed down to our young children. But here at Canton Church, we really want to be a part of the solution. When I think about these statistics, I hear these guys talking about them, I think, man, how alarming. Not just as a pastor, but as a father, to hear that I play a role off of this stage in the development of the faith of my children and the importance that they would place in faith as they grow into adults. And when I hear those things, I think, man, I'm not going to sit idly by. I'm not going to stand and allow these statistics to continue to be true in our church. And as much as it's possible for us to affect change, for these statistics to be true in our community. And so I think, well, what is it that we're going to do? Well, we're going to do the best that we can to equip the next generation. Across the lobby from where you're sitting right now is a hallway filled with children in kids' environments. Now, maybe you've walked down that hallway and you've heard the energy and the noise that's there, and so you know that that's there. Maybe you have children yourself and you've dropped them off into one of those environments. Maybe not. 
But across that, that way, there are young children who have a team of incredible adult and student volunteers who are investing in them, loving them, training them what it looks like to really fall in love with Jesus for themselves and not just to believe the faith of their parents or, or, or their grandparents, but to really make that a personal relationship. And so for us, this is about discipleship. And what I want you to know that you, hopefully you do know this, but I want to say it from the stage. We are not babysitting your children. We're not babysitting your kids. When the team over there takes your kids and receives your kids into those environments, they view that as a sacred trust that for the next 60 or 70 minutes while you come into this environment and learn and experience the love and the presence and the power of God, that they get to do the same for your children. That they're, even from an early age, as they're changing diapers and giving them goldfish crackers and juice and they're coloring color sheets and they're watching a TV that has some curriculum or videos or worship music or they're singing together or they're getting into small groups, whatever it is in their various stages of environments and, and growth and development, that they are learning about the personal love that God has for them and they're learning how to respond to that love themselves. We are not babysitting your kids. We have tried to create environments that are appropriate for their age to learn about who Jesus is and who Jesus is to them personally. And I want to say this to you, parents. We've created those environments for your children, and they will get the best out of their experience at Canton Church in those environments. Now, we've got four kids ourselves, my wife, Corey, and I. We've got four kids, and there, there are Sundays where they just need to stay with us. There are seasons where maybe they need to be with us. And we don't have a hard and fast rule, but let me just encourage you, to the best of your ability, engage those environments with your kids. Allow those children to go in. Some Sundays, there's separation anxiety, there's things, but man, that's an environment where they get the most out of their experience at Canyon Church. And let me just tell you, so will you. When you come into this environment and you know that there is a team of loving volunteers who are training and investing in your children, you can come and rest in this place and experience the love and the power of God yourself. We want you to get the most out of your experience. Every Wednesday night and one Sunday a month, we have our youth ministry that gathers together to just engage the love of God with students. And there's a team of leaders that invests in them personally to help them to, to understand that this is not a social club, but it's a gathering together of people who are of common age that are pursuing a relationship with Jesus and learning what it looks like to love him. We're, we're loving on them. We're training them. We're equipping them and trying to help them to make their faith personal. We have a, a ton of fun. You're going to hear that in just a minute. They have a ton of fun, but we, we use fun as the glue to try to re-engage them week after week or month after month into those environments so that we can help them learn to grow their spiritual muscles. But here's what we, we know. We are not the primary disciplers of the children of this church. We might have your kids one or two hours a week, if that, but parents and grandparents Family members, you, you get hundreds of hours potentially a month with your children. And so we want to provide resources to you to help you equip, uh, to be equipped, to equip the next generation. We want to help give you tools and resources so that you feel confident in helping to shape their faith and to give them the opportunity to grow their faith personally. And so we want you to know that we believe you are the primary disciples of your kids. And there may be a season where we have to step into the, kind of fill the gap in where maybe that's not happening as much, but we want to help partner with you. So we want to tell you over the next couple minutes about some very specific ways that we are equipping the next generation and partnering with parents to disciple their kids. In kids' life, our aim is to equip your children to make an impact for Christ in their communities right now. So we accomplish this four different ways. The first way is we want your children to become saved. We want to introduce them to Jesus in a 
fun, engaging, energetic way so that they can know that Jesus Christ came to earth to die for their sins. Yeah. He died on the cross, but he rose three days later. And today he's alive, seated at the right hand of the Father. And we want them to know, they're getting as fun as we possibly can, that the life that we have when we give our lives to Jesus, this is the life that God intended us to have when he created humanity yeah. in the first place. Mm. So we That's also good. want your children to be literate in their Bible. We're big on biblical literacy. That means that we, wanna, we want your children to know this word. We want them to know that God operates today the yeah. same way he has been operating for thousands and thousands of years. Right. We want them to be able to read this word. We don't want them to be afraid of it. We want when, when somebody says, turn to John chapter 3, verse 16, they can turn there and they can navigate the word of God. Mm. Number three, which kind of connects to this, is scripture memorization. We're big on this because you and I know that the battles that we face are spiritual battles. Yeah. And that God has given us a weapon of offense. It is the word of God. And we want them to be able to hide God's word in their heart. That it would be a lamp unto their feet and a light unto their path. We want them to hide God's word in their heart that they might not sin against God. We want them to be equipped to engage the enemy when he engages him. And Lord knows that he is engaging young people at a younger and younger age yeah. each and every right. day. Lastly, we want, we want your children to be equipped to share their faith. This is something that all age groups struggle with, but I believe that God has called children to make a difference for him in their families, in their schools, in the, with their friends, on their sports teams. So we want to give them tactical, tactical ideas of how they can do this and not feel weird about it, yeah. to be honest with you. <laughs> we want them to be able to accurately articulate their faith so that they can share the hope that they have inside of themselves when Jesus came in their heart. So, and we are doing this in every environment that we have. In, in Kids Life Baby, like Jeremy said, we are, we're not just babysitting your children. Sure, we're changing diapers and doing all that, but we're reading to your children. We're playing music. We're cultivating an atmosphere of worship mm. that invites the presence of God and gets them used to that from a very young age. In Kids Life Mini and Kids Life Junior, we're utilizing the Bible app for kids curriculum, which, by the way, goes along with the Bible app for kids. So download that. That's an easy way for you to get, for you to get devotions going in your household with your younger children. So, and did you know that, that in the, since the beginning of March, we have averaged 78 children in our kids? Awesome. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah. We, yep. But 43% of those children are age four and younger. Hmm. So in hmm. order to meet these needs, we have, we have onboarded Rebecca Tosh in a volunteer manner to serve as our preschool children's ministry director. And she is working with and will be working with all of the preschool teachers to develop strategies and systems and things that we can do to serve your children and your families more. And then lastly, in kids' life, which is our grade school environment, we're utilizing the orange curriculum to teach 
the gospel to your children. And we have, we're structured, we have a large, large group segments and we have small group segments. And for us, we put a premium on the small group segments because we know that life change doesn't happen in rows, it happens in circles. That's good, yeah. So when we, can get, when we can get adults down on the floor and engaged in talking yeah. about the truths that are, in this world, that are in this word, their lives will change. So by the time a child graduates the fifth grade and goes into sixth, this is what we want. We desire for them to be saved. We want them to be baptized. We want them to be able to navigate the Bible effectively. We want them to be familiar with and memorize key verses of Scripture, and we want them to be able to articulate their faith so that they can share it with others their age. It's mm. good. good. Yeah, it's good. Really good. Absolutely. So for our Canton youth, we have a heart that they would take ownership of their relationship with God. We talked about some statistics earlier about that, but one of the ways that we do that is through community. And uh, the first step to helping our students dive in and grow in their relationship with God is surrounding them with other students and, and leaders who are doing the same thing. Many of us have heard the, the saying that you are the, the sum of your five closest friends. If that's the case, then we want to surround our students with other students who are passionately pursuing after him. One of the ways that we're cultivating this community is through our Canton Youth Nights which is just a fun night. We did Nerf War and Nachos, our, our last Canton Youth Night, and there were a ton of kids that came from the community that saw our flyers or saw our posts on Facebook and stuff that we didn't even know that weren't a part of any churches, but they got to come um, and be a part of this event. And, and that's the whole reason we're doing it, because there are 40,000 students in Cherokee County. That, that tells me that God has put Canton Church in the perfect place to have impact on this next generation. And our goal is to, to provide them with an easy transition. Maybe they're, they're not in communities um, where they're, you know, actively seeking after God. So we're giving them uh, opportunities to, to make that easy transition and having fun like that because everyone wants to shoot each other with Nerf bullets, <laughs> right? So just easy transitions for them to get in that community with other kids who are seeking after God. Another thing that we're doing is, is our life groups, our age-specific life groups. Right here, we've got our rooted groups, um, which uh, just give uh, our, our students to talk about life, to talk about the things that they're going through, to, to dig deeper into the Word, um, and to go over uh, what God has been speaking to them. Um, here at Canton Church, we say that life together is better. And we, as Canton Youth, hold that same motto. We know that if we can get them in these types of communities, with, with people who are, are, are really pursuing after God, it's going to be way more fulfilling. There's going to be so much more value in those relationships than the relationships they might find elsewhere. Not only do we know the importance of, of community, but also we know how important the Word of God is. And without it, everything is just vain. So for the past few months, month and a half, our students have been in the Bible app every day on their phones as an as entire group. And we have been um, just growing daily in, in the scriptures that are talking about um, specific things that our teens are going through. And we are seeing extreme growth. And it is so exciting to see what our students are posting in that app and what God is speaking and revealing to them. It, it has been an awesome thing to see. 
Our goal is not to just um, feed our students one time a week. We're not just trying to give them a spiritual high, but we're really trying, them, uh, trying to help them learn how to walk it out each day. We don't want to just give them a fish. We want to teach them how to fish. We want to let them know that the God of the universe wants to have a personal relationship with them. We want them, as they're reaching middle school and high school and going beyond that, when they leave their family, they take complete ownership of their relationship with God. As they are separated, it's not about, you know, their mom or dad or what they're making them do going to church. No, that they would be so on fire for God that they would never, ever leave, never, ever leave the faith. Now, while it's easy to, to kind of get caught up in the excitement and the Nerf Wars and the numbers and all of that stuff, we understand that that's not where we're defining success. We're defining success 10 years from now when we see our students who are out of college, who are raising families, who are plugged in the Big C Church and serving and loving and growing and pointing other people to Jesus. That is where we define success. Absolutely. I thought it was appropriate for these two guys to share as we talk about the next generation because they kind of wear their passion for the next generation on their sleeve. And we've got incredible staff members who are passionate about the areas of ministry that they lead. And I'm thankful that you got to hear a little bit of their heart. And maybe today you would, you would hear them talking and you would say, hey, I, you know, I don't have kids, so I don't really think this connects to me. Well, I would say that it does. For some of you, you like me, you go, hey, this is, this is a call to action. I want to change these statistics. I want to invest in the next generation. Maybe they're my kids. Maybe they're somebody else's kids. And maybe today before you leave, you would connect to these two guys or you'd stop by the information center. You'd register for Canton Life in two weeks and you'd jump onto one of their serving teams and invest. Or maybe as a parent, you would say, hey, I, don't, I want to figure out how do I get some of the resources that you're talking about? How do I get my kids to some of these things that you're talking about so that I can make sure that they're getting into these environments to learn about the love of God and it complements what we're trying to do at home? Or maybe it equips me so that I can help complement what you're doing in the church. How can I do that? Because here's what I want you to know. Whether they're your kids or they're somebody else's kids, they're watching you. Uh, yeah. They're watching yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Corey talked about it last week. She said there were people in the church that she grew up in that helped to form the faith and inform the faith that she Mm. was developing even beyond her own family. They're watching you. It's not just that they're listening to what you're saying. They begin to do what you do because they're watching. A few years ago, I ran across this quote from John Wesley. It says this. It says, what one generation tolerates, the next will embrace. Mm. What one generation tolerates, the next will embrace. When I read that quote, I began to think about how true this was in the generation before me that I I had an eyewitness account to and really what was taking place in my own generation. And then as I began to read that quote and I began to think about it in the context of student ministry, which I did for about 10 years, and then as a lead pastor trying to understand for our church what it looks like and, and how we really embody this and where we don't just talk about our faith but we live our faith out, I started to kind of make this quote my own and I rephrased it. And so I would say it this way. What one generation does in moderation, the next does in excess. Mm. What one generation does in moderation, the next will do in excess. Mm. Or maybe you would even say it this way. What one generation fails to prioritize, the next will fail to practice. Mm. Yeah, that's good. When I think about that as a dad, when I think about that as a pastor, Mm. when I think about the people that I sit with on a regular basis, moms and dads, husbands and wives, grandparents who are burdened for the grandchildren, 
I think about what, what, is this, what does this look like? It means that I got to quit making sure that I'm not just talking about it. I got to make sure that I'm living it out. That my children see in me a faith that is active and alive, that is a priority in my life. It's not just something we do on Sunday mornings when we come into a room and we sit in a room and we sing these Christian songs and then we go outside and we do nothing that's even connected at all to Sunday mornings. Mm. Sunday mornings are the celebration of what should be taking place Monday through Saturday. Yeah. That there is personal yeah. interaction with God in my heart and in my life that I come together and I gather together in a room like this and we encourage one another and we spur one another on. Mm. We say, hey, this is like the big birthday party. I'm getting a little bit older every day, but we only have cake one day a year. Well, it's like, okay, well, every single day I should be growing in relationship with God. But one day a week we should come together to celebrate who God is and to worship God and to recognize his goodness towards us. And when times are a struggle and times are bad and things are happening, we say, hey, I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. I've walked that journey that you're walking, and I want you to know that you're going to make it. And the next generation is watching us. They're watching us, and they want to know if we really believe what we say we believe or if it's just something that we say. That's right. Mm. They're watching us. Mm. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand with me all over the room, all over the room. So once you're standing, I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. And maybe you would say to me today, you know, Jeremy, for me, I recognize that my best response to what I've heard today is to make sure that I'm in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I know I, he's not the Lord and Savior of my life. I need to ask him to forgive my sins and lead my life. And I know that today is the day. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? We want to pray for you. Thank you so much. You can put it right back down. Anybody else? I want to pray for you before we do something else. God, we thank you today for those who have lifted their hands. We thank you, God, for those who have trusted you now with their eternity. You're doing now what I cannot do. You're forgiving sins. You're leading and guiding their lives, becoming the Lord of their life. And so, God, we thank you for that. Help them to trust you more in growing measure that they would trust their lives to you. So, God, we thank you for that. We ask you to give them the strength to walk out every day in relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor Matt and Pastor Casey to come, and they're going to pray for our children and for our students. And here's what I want you to do. If you've got kids, as they're praying, pray for your kids. But pray for other kids in our church. Pray for other kids in our community. If you don't have kids, then just pray, God, how would you help me to model what it means to follow after you for the next generation? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for all the children at Canton Church and all the children that will be coming to Canton Church, Lord. God, we just lift them up to you, Lord. I just pray that right now the Holy Spirit would just begin to work on their little hearts. God, that you would draw them close to you, Lord, and that you would reveal yourself as their creator, Lord, as their savior. Father, and I pray that they would be able to pick up your word, Lord. I pray that you would place a love for your word in their life, that it would be like, like fire shut up in their bones like Jeremiah, dear Lord. God, that they would just be drawn to it, that they would read it, that they would ingest it, Father. And Lord, that what would be going on in the inside of them would produce such an excess that it would flow over and that they would be able to talk to others about Jesus and draw others into a relationship and be a witness for you, God. Lord, we ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. Amen. 
hey, I'm going to ask real quick, can I have any 6th through 12th graders just come up right here, real quick, real quick. There's a lot of you guys in here. Come on. Come on, quick. Quick, quick, quick. Let's pray real quick. Whew. God, I just thank you for each one of these wonderful, wonderful kids. God, I just pray that you would pour out your spirit upon each one of them. Jesus, would they see how much you love them? God, would they know your truth? Would they sense your spirit, God? Would they continue to grow in a relationship with you each day? God, whether they're involved in, in community or not, God, I pray that you would plug each one of them in. And God, would you continue to show and reveal to them who you are, Jesus? God, would you show up in a mighty way? Jesus, would they, would they just submit their lives to you? God, would they fall in love with you? God, would they seek your face each day? And God, would you pour out your blessing upon them as they are just humbly just coming to you? God, they don't know everything, but I pray that you would show them their purpose and their plan and God would you lead and guide their steps and when the world is trying to take them away from those things God I pray that their foundation would keep them strong God that you alone would be their rock God we love you and we thank you for these precious kids God this is the next generation that carries you and points you to the people of the world so God we thank you and we praise you for them we pray that you just pour out your blessing on them in Jesus name Amen. God, I thank you for a church that believes in the next generation. God, I thank you for a church that pe people can come from all ages and find life in Jesus Christ. And God, we ask you to help us to continue to be a church that, that the heartbeat of our church is the thing that makes your heart beat, God. God, that you would help lost people to find life. God, that you would help young people to own their faith. God, that you would help broken things to be made whole. God, that you would make dead things to come back to life. God, marriages to be restored and homes to be a place of safety and security, God. Lord, that there would be forgiveness that rules and reigns in our families. And God, we thank you that generations matter. And we thank you that faith is intended to be handed off. And so, God, we pray now that you would help us as a church to live this out. God, they're watching. They're watching. Help us to model what it means to follow after you. Don't let it just be words, but God, let our actions declare the truth of who you are in our lives. And we'll give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga. 